Our God has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen. He doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with treats. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. You're listening to the world-famous God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. I'm Bill Swirla. Hey, actually, got good, good volume on that. Thank you. I, I, I actually tried it before we went on the air. Well done, I, sir. Um, <laughs> I forgot to push my record button, though, so I may be asking you for a copy of this, uh, this episode. Nothing like Tiny Tim. Well, we should just leave this playing through throughout the whole program. In the didn't background. we didn't we use this during our our investigation of Calvinism at one point? I, <laughs> I, I think we did. As a matter I, of fact, it's very appropriate. So many. Yes. Ways. Well, let's listen a little more. Ah, yes. I remember so Tiny Tim on the Ed Sullivan show when I was a kid. <laughs> it, it 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 left an indelible scar. I'm trying to get us back into the whole disturbing yet compelling category that we were once in. We we haven't used that for a long time. We 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 may be occasionally compelling, but we haven't been disturbing in a long time. Yeah, I'm going to break that. It's we're, so, we're going to. How have little, you been? It, it's been disturbing. it's been a while. Yeah, uh, you, you know, you were in Prague investigating tiki bars overseas. Oh. I, I was in Kansas. Um, I think we hanging did a, out did on a the show farm. in between, didn't we? Yeah, I think we squeezed one in. Yeah. Yeah, we've been sporadic. The, the month of August has not been good for the God Whispers. Tiki Taki in, in Prague. Yeah. Lovely place. It, so so you, you, you were in Prague and, and enjoyed it immensely from what I could tell from your Facebook images. I, got a, I, was, uh, I, I got a little addicted to duck and pork duck. knuckle over there, though. I'll tell you, there's a place uh, by us in Whittier called Bizarra Capital. Which is uh, it's a it's kind of a it's a creative Mexican restaurant. Um, Ricardo Diaz is the uh, the executive chef there, and and he's he's just a he's really known in the area. In is fact, is he that shows, that taco place where you took me that one time? No, no, okay, no. Uh, he shows up. Uh, that's uh, that I believe that was the the something the taco lounge. Uh, that's also Ricardo Diaz uh, creation, but the Bizarre Capital is a is a it's got a wider menu. But the reason I bring it up is they have a duck taco that is just unbelievable. It's like you know you know there are places you go to eat where you go for this one thing. They might have other things on the menu that are good. They might be a good restaurant or not, but there's this one thing that they do that you have to have. And and that's this duck taco. It, it's it's actually the the taco is itself is fried. It's a thick a thick tortilla, so it's more like a chalupa or whatever. But man, is it good! It's it's a it's like a duck confit. So it's duck cooked in its own fat. Yes. Oh yeah. You but, know, you, but you were you know the Eastern Europeans love duck. Duck is duck is a staple. Good duck is fantastic, but when it's not done well, it's, <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, yeah you may as well just have chicken at that point. I read there was a Bourdain episode, I believe, of No Reservations, where he went out duck hunting with some some good old boys, and uh, I guess these guys just like to blast duck and never ate it. What? And that's because I think I think one time somebody got the bright idea. All right, let's try to cook one of these things. And so they 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 took the duck that they 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 shot and uh, they they basically threw it on the barbecue and treated it like chicken. And exactly what you said happened. They ended up with this this horrifically tough, dried out piece of it, just just horrible. So they concluded duck was inedible. No. Well, Bourdain. Bourdain was about to correct the, the the record here, and so he goes out duck hunting with these boys, and and you know they spend better part of a day in a duck blind, and you know blasting away, and, and they got so they got some duck, so then he he butchers them, and and he goes and he pan sautés them, you know they're correctly cor- correctly butchered, just as the breast, nothing else, leaves the fat on, 
And uh, these, it was like an epiphany for these guys. These guys, they were blown away at how good duck could be, providing you keep it sort of medium to medium rare. You got to, unlike most poultry, you got to keep that. Don't overcook that one. That one's that one's got to be uh, lightly cooked oh, and yeah. in its own fat. You, you this gotta, aggression you, will not stand, man. Totally, totally, especially against food. I will not stand aggression <laughs> against food. So anyway, but it's a great episode. Ah. But but the all of a sudden these hunters become like you know, <laughs> you could tell they were they were regretting all this duck that they basically I don't know what they did with it, but but they just were out for the sport of hunting duck, you know, and uh, they I think they realized <laughs> they'd missed a lot of really good meals. Did, have you seen the uh, Bourdain's No Reservations done in Czech Republic? Yes. It's it's a great one. There's a guy making sausage. They they slaughtered a whole pig. Yeah, yeah. And the guy's making sausage, but he doesn't have the machine that stuffs the casings. He's <laughs> just he's just like squirting it in there with his hand. It's an amazing thing. But yeah, anyway. That's, that's 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 authentic sausage. Oh yeah, right that's, there. The, that's the real deal. deal. Right but did you have any of that? No, uh, I did have a few different kinds of sausage, but I don't know if I had that kind particular now uh, is the food there kind of is it it's it's sort of leaning toward it, it's eastern european kind of food so you get a lot of rye bread and you get a lot of duck and uh, well, um stuffed uh, noodles hopefully there's they have some stuffed noodle they, they are they heavy into the goulash but okay. not not goulash like you know with the noodles and all that it's okay. basically meat in a sauce and then they bring out it's a dumpling but it's kind of like a loaf hmm. of bread Oh, and, and it's it's very moist. It's very dense. Oh, but yeah, they bring well, of course, it out kind of a dumpling. A, yeah, they they bring it out in a loaf, and so it's sliced <laughs> like bread. Oh, gosh, and then you you just kind of sop up. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, so this Lovely. is not this is not kind of your low carb uh, experience. No, Paula got <laughs> they the bring wild, out the dumpling. <laughs> yeah, she got the wild boar goulash. Oh yeah, and, oh yeah, oh, yeah, my yeah. Goodness, I. I I had the duck. I was very pleased with my duck, but that was that was also a fine experience. Now, is that a potato dumpling or I don't know you, how they make tell? them exactly. I'm not it's sure. Kinda, is it like a big gnocchi? It's it looks like white bread until mm. you grab it and you realize it's dense. this is not it's white like a, bread. It's like a football. I mean, but it but it's probably it, you know if it if it had the texture of like a giant gnocchi, it's probably made out of potato flour. I would imagine that there was some potato in it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I know this uh, this Lithuanian Polish place that I like going to with my mom in Chicago uh, does these. They're, they're like little. They're like gnocchi size, but man, are they good! This is killing and, me. I I had two apples for lunch, and and now we're and, oh, that's good. That's good. I'm be sure to have have some uh, have some almonds. If I had some almonds, I'd have them. But, but keep them in your desk. Uh, I, I don't eat a lot, but eat like five to seven almonds and an apple, and you can you can go for the next three hours. You will not experience a hunger pang. Out here, well, I'm not really that hungry until we started talking about food. It uh, happens. But in, in St. Louis, there's a chain called Aldi. I don't know if you remember them or not. A store? And, and yeah, and it's it's yeah. cheap. Yes. Uh, oh yeah, groceries, yeah, yeah. But it's a German. Uh, it's a German-owned com- company. They so actually they own Trader things. They own Trader Joe's now. Really? Yeah, it's actually a big company. Um, yeah. It's a big grocer, but they they're kind of. Um, I, I don't know how grocery works. You know, there's high-end grocery like Whole Foods. Um, and then there's kind of the middle level, and all these doesn't have a lot, but they have a lot of big lot stuff for one thing right and and like their produce is kind of like it's it's no. a day it's a day older yeah you, you don't want their <laughs> or a little produce. bruised their their breads are really good a lot of their canned foods and frozen foods are yeah. kind of hinky some are really good some not so much but great they have, bargains they though. have big great, bags great bargains. of wasabi almonds uh-huh and i think they're like four or five bucks for this big yeah. bag i i love their wasabi almonds no, i know fantastic. i know people who my, my mom actually likes aldi uh but the, but yeah, the weird thing is they're the they're the uh, company that owns uh, Trader Joe's. <laughs> you go to Aldi with not, fifty bucks, you get a whole cartload of stuff. I mean, you, you can you're loaded. And then they have the quarter return thing for the shopping cart, right? Right. Which which <laughs> I think is a very cool system. Anyway, so. let's do a little housekeeping. The God Whisperer housekeeping. Hotline. Six two six five nine three seventy seven thirteen, and I just paid the thirty bucks for the year, so we have that. Thank you, Manly Doctor's number for one more year. Anyway, on behalf of GW Nation and the three people per year that call, we thank you for that. Well, it was about ten dollars a call for the privilege. <laughs> when you put it like that, yeah, uh, so that's anyway. like me. 
That's like me renewing my FiOS with with Verizon. Boy, that was a that was a trip. Uh, yeah, yeah, I love I love, and it's like this. No matter what company, you know, the intro deal is terrific. Oh yeah, and you get this two year thing, and sometimes they'll even just kind of automatically renew your two year deal. Rarely, and it's still terrific. And then all of a sudden, the terrificness ends. Yeah, the bill shows up, and it's eighteen times what it once yeah. was. And you're like, what? Yeah. Now, to be fair, to be fair, um, I actually was able to renew uh, at the same price that I've been paying for the last four years or so, uh, and get I got more internet speed. I went from fifteen fifteen to fifty fifty, which is fifty fifty is a yeah, that's uh, screaming. That's a nice that's a nice speed. Uh, so, to be fair, you know, it's a little bit like computers. I every time I buy a new computer, I pay exactly as much as my five twelve Mac, my first computer. Hmm. But I get you know a hundred times the computer for the price, so so it, it's okay. But what irks me is is when you look online at what the intro offers are to get new people on board. You know, same package is thirty bucks a month cheaper, and they throw in a Visa card and you know a debit card and all kinds of you know stuff. And so I called him. I said, "How come I don't get all that stuff?" Well. You're a customer. <laughs> oh, I, I see. No, this no, no. The, I was a customer. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when you're a monopoly, you don't have much of a choice. And, well, you uh, can go it, cable. Can't you, you could. You could. Cable's expensive by by yeah. me here, and 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 I'll tell you. And you know, th- this is not a plug or anything, but but um, Verizon FiOS TV and uh, internet is outstanding. Um, it's just, it, it never, it never goes down. I never have a glitch with it at all. I mean, all my glitches are internal. They're my own, you know, stuff. So I can't complain about service. It's just the, the tiered pricing and the hidden fees. And it's like, you know, why can't you just be transparent about what something costs, you know? Well, they are. When you sign up for that great deal, it's in the fine print that uh, yeah. in two years, your thirty dollars yeah. a month thing will go up to yeah. one hundred eighty-five. It's, yeah, it's like it's, it's like all that other stuff that you agree to when you when you uh, download software. You know, yeah, have you ever looked what you actually have agreed to? You know, things about your firstborn child. Rarely. Uh, rarely. Oh gosh, I no, know. I mean, uh, it's crazy. Anyway, uh, housekeeping. So we got Skype. Yeah, that's God spells Manly out. Doctors fifth, uh, 13. Manly Doctors 13, 13, yeah. Manly doctors. Um, we are uh, at org. if you want to check in on the archive of all the shows. And you can reach us at godwhispers at gmail.com. I, I do have a few uh, uh, email letters, but they're not really sort of the on-air variety. They tend to be more um, housekeeping. Ah, uh, oh, our friend, what's his name here? Where, where was he now? He, uh, Eric, Eric, Eric from overseas, uh, really wants the the lost episode three oh nine. That that's the one that the first half is like total distortion, which Good is luck, actually kind of cool. <laughs> uh, and so I'm I'm going to send him that. Uh, if you go in the archives, if we just have the second half of the show because for I think I had a loose connection or something. Uh-huh. I do have something from David though that's kind of interesting. Uh, he sent us a link to um, a, a thing from LouRockwell.com. That's a good. That's a good. Um, Good website, by the way, Lou Rockwell. Solid libertarian conspiracy it is, theory stuff. It, it's it's yeah, it's, it can be a little tinfoil hat, but but they do have a cooking, food, and drink, travel, and leisure ah uh, thing, and so um, they have a uh, they have a link here. No, actually, the link comes from the Art of Manliness, which you know about. Yeah, that's a fun website. It's a great website, yeah. and uh, and this is about mastering man food, how to cook bacon properly. Oh, nice! And so, uh, and that, that you can find that one. Uh, he had it at uh, from the. Let's see, how did I get to? By that? the way, uh, just to cut you off along the lines of this, someone put yeah. on Facebook today uh, a large kitchen where they had little piglets on a rotisserie, and I think they had probably about. Ten on each one. Oh, nice! And I think they had about five going. I I wept. It was so beautiful. I, I'm mastering the art of pulled pork at the moment on the smoker. That, that low and just, slow, baby. Low and slow. Low and slow and long. I mean, you've really got to go. On. Here's the thing: I discovered is don't start these things at like three in the afternoon. No, 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 no. You'll be up all night. 
I, you know, it was ten thirty, and we progress was not being made. No, and and I I I went into the I, I've been really getting into the science of cooking lately. I got some good books on on cooking science. Uh, one by the Cooks Illustrated people, mm-hmm. uh, who are they can be tedious and boring at times, but man, are they packed with info. And uh, I discovered that the the reason is you, you, when you're doing like a pork shoulder or pork butt or something, you get there's a magic temperature of 160. Now it's done. You could eat this. It's gonna be tough, but and it hasn't broken get, down yet. Exactly. Right. And and it's it plateaus at one sixty because it, that's the temperature at which it starts shedding water, mm. and so it's blowing off this water, and the evaporation of the water is holding the temperature down. So you got to stay with it. And uh, then after a couple of hours, depending on the size of the piece of meat, it could be a couple of hours at 160, 170. It's just kind of stuck there. And then it'll start to go up to that magic temperature, 190, 195, where uh, the meat starts to break down. And that's when you get that. That's when you get tenderness and deliciousness all now, in one. I, I know what bundle. a lot of pros do, and I think I got this from Bourdain, is they'll smoke the meat for about three, maybe four hours. Right. And and then that's when all the smoky goodness is done pretty much. Yeah, you don't want to over-smoke meat because right. otherwise it's like licking out your fireplace. Yeah. It's, just, then it's you not can, a good experience. You can bring it in the house then and put it oh, in the yeah. oven to finish it. And yeah, and it also makes right. your, your house smell like heaven for like a week. <laughs> so Actually, it works It works beautifully. And, and some... Or some, what some will do is they'll wrap it in aluminum foil mm-hmm. once it gets to the magic place and uh, then either finish it indoors or, you know, it, it all depends what you're doing. And, of course, there are a lot of, this being a man food, there are a lot of vigorous debates and violence over over what is the correct way of doing it. You know, you know how guys get whenever they get involved in anything, it gets competitive. Sure. Um but and that's what I ended up doing. I ended up bringing it indoors, um, sticking it in the oven, and I actually cranked the oven, uh, which is probably heresy. But I had to get to sleep. I was so the next <laughs> the next time uh, we're, we're starting this project at about nine in the morning. Now, what kind of smoker are you using? Is it charcoal or is it electric or? Uh, I'm using a an aftermarket add-on to my Weber kettle called the Smokinator. Uh, for people who want to do small level smoking, don't want another piece of equipment cluttering the backyard or patio or wherever you do this. This is a dream come true. It's it's a nice piece of good quality stainless steel that's been cut and bent so that it basically to to describe it, it it fits into your your Weber kettle. And it creates a compartment off to the side that holds about 50 briquettes. And and then you can put chunks of smoking wood in there. And in the middle of it, it's got a little um, a reservoir that holds about a cup or a cup and a half of water. So it's a wet smoker. And it's genius. The thing holds temp like a champ. Yeah. And I, it ba- I it basically to- turns your Weber kettle into a wet smoker. I used to do all those luau's with that offset barbecue, you know, with the side box and everything. Yeah, yeah, that's what the big boys, oh big boys, tend to go gosh. with. That. Yeah, but every forty-five minutes, you have to go out and tend the thing. Well, that's with the smokinator. About every hour, you got to top off the water reservoir because it's not very big, uh, and and you got to plug in, you know, what maybe five five to ten briquettes just to keep the or at least stir them up because yeah. they get a little static, covered with ash. Um, I keep a remote thermometer uh, probe in there so I can monitor the grill temp and the meat temp. Um, and it's got transmitters, so I, you know, I can be hanging out watching the game in the living room and know the temperature of my. I meat. love those. Oh. Those are great. <laughs> yeah, but once you see the grill temp starting to fall, you know it needs attention. So about every, you're right. About every hour, uh, my brother-in-law. I, we we're turning this into the barbecue edition, but uh, my bro- my brother-in-law uh, in Kansas has this cool device. Um, it's a pellet smoker. Oh, yeah, Traeger. my brother has one of those, too. It's kind of cool. Traeger puts out. It's kind of – it's like an offset smoker. It's got a side. But but the, the actual burner is in the cooking compartment. And what it has, it's got a um, – it's got an auger – that feeds in these pellets into a little cup, uh, the, and it's burning. 
and and so you can regulate the temperature of the the cooking thing by how fast the pellets are being fed hmm. and it's it's actually it holds temp amazingly well so you can do low 200 225 you can do mid 325 or you can have like you know a grill at four, 400, 425, just depending on how many pellets it's burning. And at the lower temperatures, the, the pellets tend to smolder, so you get a nice smoke. So he was doing things over these pecan wood, or as they say in North Carolina, pecan wood um, pellets. Outstanding. And the beautiful thing about that is you just stoke up the pellet box and turn it on. It's electric feed. And you can smoke all night. You don't have to tend it. And that's what, you know, that's what he does for the big projects like brisket. So that's one of those things. I like the zero tending, like the electric one you're describing mm-hmm. or or um, this pellet thing. You, you don't have to baby it. So you can, you know, you can go to bed and wake up next morning to the smell of deliciousness. I've gone to the electric. Hey, Bill, let's take a break here. I I, I need you to log back Not in. Not a the word system. about God. You're, you're a little glitchy in the system here. So let's go ahead and take the break. And, <laughs> I'm uh, glitchy. I'll, I'll dump you and then log back in, all right? Beautiful. All right. You're listening to the world-famous God Whispers. We'll be back. The lovely tones of Mrs. Miller, the Saint Mrs. Miller, by the way. You, you know they pair. She pairs well with um, with with Tiny Tim. It, they do go together really well. She's so good. Let's just savor it. Wow, I got a chill down my spine. I mean, that was. So amazing. That's music. <laughs> You're listening to the God Whispers. We're working on the disturbing. We're bringing the disturbing yet compelling back one Mrs. Miller at a time. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. I'm Bill Swirlo. <clears throat> leave the gong out here. Um, I just want to finish up that, that if, if you don't mind, that, that oh. article on, on bacon. Uh, we got off on a little barbecue tangent there. there was, mm. Basically, he, he outlines um, the... The various methods of, of bacon uh, pan fry, and the key is to make sure you do enough to get enough grease in there. Uh, microwave. Uh, they're flipping it. Uh, microwave. The way I do it, baking. I, I prefer oven-baked bacon myself. I use a toaster oven for that. He goes 350, I go 400, but uh, nothing, nothing finer. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to flip it. You don't have to do anything. Just put it in the oven. About 12 minutes later, you've got bacon. And then he talks about Vermont style. Ooh, uh, di- don't know what that is. Maple syrup. Oh, yes. Mm, how can that go wrong? No. And, uh, or brown sugar cure. That's coating it, letting it marinate in a little brown sugar. And then he's got a few other things happening there. And then the, the article ends, of course, with a with a category, Turkey Bacon Ellipsis is not bacon. Blue, you're my boy! <laughs> Do you ever see that, um, that, that, it was a Parks and Recreation uh, where uh, April and Ron Swanson are at some store and the guy's giving out samples of turkey bacon <laughs> and and ron is just taking one after the other and throwing them directly in the trash you know the guy goes i i, I can't give you any more and and so april takes one she throws it in the trash and, and ron ron says i just want to ensure that no one ever has to eat this <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, you know, a while ago, I threw it out to the God Whispers Lounge, which is also known as the Biker Bar on Facebook. It is. It's the Biker Bar of Facebook. And I, I said, what would you like us to talk about? 
And we, we got a few responses. I think some of them can't even be mentioned on the radio without the FCC shutting us down. Yeah, probably. So wh- why don't we just kind of rifle through these and see what we can come up with? Uh, All right. Christopher says, well, why Baptists reject infant baptism? Uh-huh. Well, two reasons. Uh, maybe more, actually. Uh, reason one, they see baptism as something you do. And if you don't know what you're doing, you shouldn't be doing it. So infant doesn't know what it's doing, shouldn't be doing it. Two, Baptists reject original sin. Don't believe there's anything spiritually wrong with an infant. So no need for any cure if there's no disease. Can you think of any others? Uh, the only thing that I add to that is the age of accountability, which is nowhere to be found in Scripture. Yeah, kind, that's kind of tied yeah. to the uh, denial of original sin. Uh, Baptists tend to see, uh, I think, I, I may be wrong here, but but the, the tendency is to say uh, we are sinners because we sin. And if you're not accountable, you can't really be a sinner yet. So infants, they would I don't think they'd put infants in the category of sinners. They're potential sinners, and they inevitably will become sinners. But until they're accountable, they're not actually sinners. Of course, we reject that. I would add a third is that Jesus got baptized when he was an adult, so that kind of clinches that um, for you know, them. Yeah, they... they and that's flawed in a couple of ways. One, that's not our baptism; that was John's. And two, that's Jesus, not us. And they so. they point out a couple of proof texts: uh, believe and be baptized. See, believe comes first, and so then you should be baptized, or something like that. Uh, so there, there's that. Um, there's also the argument that you don't find infant baptism mentioned anywhere in Scripture overtly. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. That that you're right. I mean, the, the the usual thing is the argument from silence. Well, show me an, a clear example in the Scriptures where it says infants were baptized. Um, but if you stop and think about it, that that's really really a bad argument. Here's why: um, the Scriptures record the first generation of Christians. Um, you're not going to be having a lot of births right away in the first generation, nor will they take much notice of that. The closest you get is the conversion of households. So, you know, Cornelius and his household, um, et cetera. So, so when the head of the house goes, the whole household goes. That would include uh, the children, the children of servants, everybody. You know, because it it really deals with the, the, like a tribe or a clan, so so the argument actually falls it it falls on its own face. But you're 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 not going to have a kind of a thing like we have today, or like they would have had in the second generation, where now you have people who have been Christians, maybe were Christians when they got married, are having babies, and now what do you do with the babies born to Christians? I would say also uh, probably the big, big thing. And, of course, there are Baptists who are Calvinists and Baptists who are Arminians, and you can look that up in the dictionary. But ultimately it comes down to what we call synergism, cooperation for salvation. Uh, We as Lutheran Christians do not believe that we cooperate for salvation. All that we bring to the party is a mess that needs to be cleaned up. Whereas in Baptist circles, in most evangelical circles, that moment that I made a decision to make Jesus my Lord and Savior is that moment where I was converted. Uh, And so that goes back to what you were saying. If it's our act, then the Baptists are right. If it's God's act on us through the church, then they're wrong. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. I I, I kind of... um there's a subtle distinction between accepting something and receiving it. Receiving is much more passive. Mm-hmm. You know, I can receive medication while completely in a coma, but I'm not really in a position to accept anything or sign any papers. See, so uh, being spiritually dead, as, as Paul says in Ephesians 2, we receive salvation. We receive the gift of faith. It's all at the passive receiving end. Um, for the Baptist, baptism is an outward sign of, and uh, it's 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 an act that we do to show that we have accepted the salvation that Christ has offered us. 
And so it's 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 our way of showing everybody we're Christians. That's why in some circles they don't have problems with being baptized many many times, right? Because you you know you may have kind of fallen away or or this and that, and so now it's a way of showing everybody that you're back on board again. You get baptized again because that's what baptism is in those circles. Um, you're showing everybody else that you've accepted Christ as your Savior. Um, where in, in, in the Lutheran way, the scriptural way of looking at it, it's God's uh, sign to show us that we are acceptable to him in Christ and that he has made us his child. So uh, it all depends who's running baptism. Is it ours or is it God's? So let's press that on. One. Yeah, moving on. Moving on. The next one is whether or not Christians should be cremated. Ah. Hmm. There's, there's debate on this one, isn't there? Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> Depends who you ask, I suppose. Uh, there are some books been written on on the topic uh, on all sides. Dr. Alvin Schmidt wrote one. There's one. Um, I know the the Lutheran Church in Canada has made some statements. Um, I, I've done I've done some talks on on burial practices. Uh, here's kind of where I've what I've learned and, and where I've come out on this. Um, I think the issue in cremation is not so much the burning part. Everybody makes a big deal about the burning part. Um, you, you, you couldn't burn a corpse uh, until that's a modern thing because you needed furnaces that were hot enough because we're like 80 percent water. We don't burn well. And apparently funeral pyres are just horrific. They were so bad that when people observed them, they begged to be buried instead of burned. That's how bad they were. <laughs> um, the typical practice before cremation, uh, there were some laws. The French had a law that you had to burn a body that washed up on shore. Hmm. Uh, to prevent the the spread of disease, so right. a lot of times for hygienic reasons, they burned the body. They took the bones and buried the bones because bones don't burn. Even today, they don't burn. They have to be ground up in order to get you know a uniform dust of some sort. Bear that in mind when you open that can, by the way. Um, but but cremation's a modern thing because you needed modern furnaces that could get up hot enough to burn uh, basically something that's eighty percent water, and uh, so. I, my issue is not so much with the burning of the body, because basically if you bury a body in the ground, it's basically going to be worm food and composting anyway. So, so we're, not, it's not, we're not talking about preserving the body materially in some fashion. I, here's where my problem is. Scattering the ashes as a, as a ritual symbol, I have a real problem with that. Okay, the all we are I, I is too, all we but... are is dust in the wind kind of uh, you know. <laughs> um, it, in a way, it's a very subtle. De- it, it, if it's not a denial, it's it's an it's a, a willful. I, it ignores the resurrection of the body. Right. There's there's yeah. that, and also this is what they did with heretics to, to try to yeah, it, okay. to try to make it hard for God to to. Re- put them back together. Yeah, we, like you know, God couldn't do that. Right, uh, right. You know, and, and what happens if you blow up in a spacecraft? Or what happens if a burning building collapses? Well, I'm your, not saying that they were intelligent up by an about atom this. Bomb, you know, this, that's ridiculous. <laughs> and, and you know, when we say resurrection of the body, we don't mean that God reassembles your molecules. Because if you stop and think about it, here's a really creepy thought. That you're not materially the same person you were, like, even a year ago. No, I, I have mostly all new cells. Yeah. And so and so you're you're all new. We're continually being renewed in that way. So so it's not like we're it's not like a conservation of matter thing. <laughs> you know? Um so th- that's not in play. And just because Hindus did it doesn't mean that guilt by association argument right. really doesn't float the boat very well. Now it, I- Look, financially, the funeral industry has become second only to the wedding industry and being obscenely expensive for well, something it's that needs to happen. Is, it's because of insurance. People take out insurance for it, and so you're not the primary paying customer. So, you know, that, that right. escalates costs. It's like dentistry has become expensive because of dental insurance. So but, I think, you know, especially in a place where you live, like where you live in California, a, a plot and a casket are going to run you between eight and fifteen thousand dollars. That's right. And well, you're buying families land. Don't have that kind of loot. It's a land transaction. Yeah. Because land, you know, in Europe, where 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 my forebears came from, they didn't own the plot. You basically borrowed it for twelve years, and then they buried somebody else there. <laughs> 
Well, you know, they didn't have yeah. these permanent vaults. They didn't have these concrete pits. They, they, you know, this this is ridiculous because they didn't have land for all these these cemeteries. And not every piece of land is is suitable for cemetery, as they discovered on the lake shore of Chicago. So. To burden Lincoln, a, Lincoln Park used to be a seminary. A cemetery, seminary. I always confuse that word, seminary and cemetery. They're both places of death. I wonder why that is. <laughs> uh, but you know, to to put that kind of burden on a family that that may well already be in debt up to their ears and everything, you know that that's pretty obscene, also. And well, so, so cremation is often seen as the cheap escape from the expensive funeral. And yet, it's it's not cheap. Look at look at look at the breakdown of prices and fees and everything else. That's this is not. It's dying is not a cheap date these days. No, no. Uh, here's the deal. Getting back to the question, I'll just give this this be my pastoral short answer. I don't have a problem with cremation. Um, I have a bigger question about what are you going to do with the what they call the cremains right um i advocate burying them at a geographically located place mausoleum is very, a bad option i don't see i think place is very important you know i yeah. even even when you are dumped at sea the captain of the ship makes note of the gps coordinates i think that's really fascinating that place is important we are mm-hmm. not dust in the wind and if you ever want to see what that's like watch the big lebowski where they they scatter <laughs> donnie's ashes <laughs> thought of that and, right and a wind comes and the whole thing blows back uh, but um but i think that's and don't don't be taking uncle harry along for christmas family christmas parties in his urn i think that's weird See the problem. I have a real problem with with what happens after you're cremated. You know, having your ashes made into little diamond necklaces or sitting up on somebody's fireplace. Um, it, that's where the weirdness kicks right, in. Right. Bury the remains uh, the way we bury any Christian. Now, uh, in the full confidence of the resurrection of the body on the last day. I'm into that. As far as I know. Uh, what scripture says about it is this. <laughs> and that's about it. You know, uh, the the thing is, um, Saul, Saul was burned, but they, they burned the body of Saul because his enemies kept dismembering him and were parading his body parts around, you know, those... <laughs> Those Middle Eastern types. And so just to prevent further desecration of the king's body, they burned it. So, so Yeah, well, uh, what about this one? Uh, oh, by the way, just, yeah. just a, an additional thought. Um, it, it's incorrect to say that, that it was a, a cursed death to, to have your body burned. That's not true. It's a cursed death to not have a proper burial. See, and that's, again, the scattering thing. Mm. So, like, criminals were just dumped into the garbage dump after they were crucified or beheaded or whatever. You didn't get a proper burial. Uh, Those bones in Ezekiel 37 scattered in the valley. This is a great affront. They did not have a proper burial. Right. Um, And, you know, so when people died, they basically laid you out. You decomposed. you, You dried out. Your bones were put in a box. They put your name on the box. They tucked you on a shelf next to your relatives. See, but you had you, your bones were given a proper burial. I think that's really the more important issue with cremation. Are you giving the remains a proper burial that dignifies the person and 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 specifies this hope of the resurrection? How much real estate you want to occupy between now and then? I that that's that's crickets time. <laughs> In Connecticut, where I was, there was a uh, a monastery, uh, and it was run by the Edmonites. And we would have occasional retreats on their property. Beautiful little island, actually. Just, yeah. You know, you drive on a bridge for about 100 yards. But um, anyway, they had there, at least for a time, the arm of St. Edmund in this oh. big glass tube. And I'm sad <laughs> that I lost the picture, but there was... My arm propped right next to St. Edmund's and that sort of thing. I personally have a much harder time with that sort of thing than, than cremation. 
Oh, the relics? Yeah, the, just the, uh, cutting the, the guy's arm off and yeah, parading it around. I mean, it's, like, it's kind of weird. But it's in the same category, I think, as, as making an amulet out of Grandma or, or putting Uncle Harry on the mantel place and taking him up to the family cabin for Christmas. You know, it's just <laughs> ridiculous. Um, next one, Joan writes, is confirmation necessary to the Lutheran Christian? Answer, no. Uh, Apology 13 lumps confirmation in amongst uh, man-made rites. It's actually uh, lumped in with uh, last rites. It's it's not a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination. What we do with it sometimes becomes bad. But uh, to actually make sure that our people are educated in the basics of the Christian faith. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, that that's a good thing. That's that's not Indoctrination is, is a good thing, even sure. though it's a dirty word these days. But confirmation, some kind of add-on to baptism, uh, is, is, is um, completely made up. I mean, it's a man-made ritual. Uh, some attempt to derive its origins to the laying on of hands of Peter and John mm. on the baptized Christians, or the baptized in Samaria in the book of Acts. But I wouldn't make anything in the book of Acts normative. Uh, that's in fact uh, the book of Acts is the collection of the strange and wonderful things that happened that got the church started. But I, I wouldn't make that normative at all. Um, but no, it's not necessary. Uh, teaching is baptizing and teaching are mm-hmm. what makes disciples. Uh, in our congregation, we're exploring uh, a kind of a two-step confirmation, um, uh, celebrating the point at which you know the small catechism. And celebrating when you turn eighteen and uh, are recognized as an adult. That's rites that's of passage, rites yeah. of passage, kind of thing, but not 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 anything that implies that you're getting an extra dollop of the Holy Spirit, or uh, and even worse, what we've done with confirmation is making it the entry right to the Lord's Supper. Right. That's that. You know, that's um, bad news. I grew up with that. I know it's not good. I think you know. There's only one baptism. But I think maybe we should reconfirm our people every 10 years or so. <laughs> it's like, like a driver's license. You know, you got to take a test. <laughs> right. Let's see if it's working. Right, right. Is your baptism right. still working? Um, <laughs> Want to go on to the next one? Yeah, Let's yeah, go yeah. Next, next one. one. This, is like a, this. this one's actually important. Jason writes, which donut is better, a Boston cream or a sour cream donut? Mm, I, I'm going to let call. you go first on this one, Bill. I'm not, I don't eat donuts. But uh, if I if I were confronted... With either of these two donuts, um, I would have to say I'd go for the Boston cream. I'm going to say incomplete data set here because oh. I don't know who the baker is. Good point. Um, I'm assuming know, the, the Boston the, cream donut has chocolate frosting on it, which I love. So, you know, I'm just making some assumptions. It is delicious, but I uh, there was a place where I used to go on occasion that had blueberry sour cream donuts that were fantastic. Mm. And so really, uh, you know, I've had... Good Boston cream, bad Boston cream, good sour cream, bad sour cream donuts. So, uh, you know, Jason, you say, I, I, I don't think that we have enough of the variables here. I go Boston cream in general, unless, unless there's further data. Uh, William writes, what happened to the Longhorns? No idea. Longhorns are an American breed. Um, and uh, it's funny, I'm assuming we're talking about cattle here. I and not, thought maybe he was talking football about football, team. but yeah. I'm going to assume cattle. Okay. Let's talk cattle. Because right. I was to, my brother in law was discussing this just last week. Wow. But the Longhorn is a is an American breed and uh still prized in many places. Uh, you still see them around. Uh but eventually, slowly, uh they were replaced by the European breeds of of cattle that that, that which are they have shorter horns. Uh one of the problems is practicality. That those horns grow straight out. And uh, and uh, a they're dangerous, and b uh, makes loading cattle, driving them, lots of things rather difficult. And so the uh, the the uh, producers actually prefer the European breeds rather than the uh, the American Longhorn. So it just kind of like gave way to the uh, the breeds that came from Europe. As More for the Texas Longhorns, I have no clue. More information than I ever wanted to know. There you go. Right there. Well, you like your beef, though, don't you? Yes, I do. There you go. Yes, I do. Walt, selfie toasters. I have no idea what's he, what's he talking about. There is a, a new gizmo out yeah. that uh, will, I, I don't know how it works or whatever, but you take a picture of yourself and it will imprint it on your toast. Oh, no kidding. I saw this on Facebook just the other day. Re- seriously? Yes. At 
oh, I want one. I think we can make a fortune that, with uh, with Luther toasters. That rocks, boy! This 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 will take um, religious apparitions to a whole new level. <laughs> wow! You know, I thought I saw something in passing on my newsfeed. I, I I didn't I, I didn't pay any attention. That's what that was. Yeah, because it was like a almost like a laser etching of a, a photograph of somebody on his toast. Yep. Yep. Wow. I, I think uh, I'm going to get one with the devil on it and just drop it off at the local Roman Catholic Church. Freak them out. Yeah, yeah. Six, 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 six on the back. That's <laughs> Mike, demonic possession. Yeah, it happens. I don't know what to say about that. It happens. Um, we're in the book of Mark in the three-year lectionary. And in Mark, um, everything is demonic. You'll notice that even diseases are treated as though they were demon possessions. Mm-hmm. Not to say that people who are sick have a demon, but I think it's to say that demonic possession is like a spiritual sickness. Uh, and so it's not really a reflection necessarily on the individual. So, you know, you wouldn't say that mm, I, you know, somebody's not saved because they caught a flu bug. Right, and so in the, by the same token, one would say somebody's not saved because they caught a demon bug. Uh, Luther goes that way. L- L- Luther is not concerned about the salvation of somebody who's plagued by a demon. But you know, he, he views it as a spiritual sickness. That's interesting because uh, Francis Pieper in his dogmatics indicates that a Christian can be demon possessed. Does he really? And and I've always had a hard time with that. Seriously, one. he does. Yeah. Well, I agree with that. Uh, because on that, well, on the basis of what I just said, it, it's a it's a spiritual sickness. It's not a reflection of uh, somebody's spiritual status. Hmm. Um, and so one one no more questions the salvation of somebody who's got cancer than somebody's got a demon. And and if you look in in Mark, the way Jesus deals with the demons is exactly the same way he deals with the diseases, or the way he rebukes the wind and the waves. It's all the same thing. I spent because uh, it is all the same thing. I spent um, maybe an hour and a half in uh, Dr. Lou Brighton's office uh, hashing this one out. And, uh, you know, he, he, he's one of the few people in our synod that actually knows a lot about demon possession. Mm. And, and he went the way of Peeper. And uh, but I agree. I've just always had a hard time with that. I know. I, I think he's spot on. I think I think that's uh, if you read in Luther's letters of spiritual counsel uh, where he advises people. Uh, on this matter um, that, that's why luther is a little cavalier about it um you know it's like say the creed the our father uh you know bless them pray for them uh he has no use for holy water he has no use for he, in fact he says that the the rituals of the papacy the devil mocks and laughs at that, that these are these are a great source of amusement to him so um i think that uh a interesting observation from a colleague of mine who says that in in um, in areas where the devil is feared, Haiti, for example, uh, he appears even more fearsome. In places where the devil is not taken seriously, he appears even less serious. Hmm. So in our culture, very skeptical, very scientific, very non-spiritual in that, that sort of sense, um, I don't actually expect to see a lot of overt, in-your-face, exorcism kind of horror movie, uh, demonic things, much more subtle. I think, I think the activity of the devil in, in our uh, context is the subtle lie, the seductive lie. You know, it, it is interesting, though, that uh, in, in our Western culture, demon possession has become entertainment, you know, with movies like The Exorcist and uh, see, all these sorts perfect. of things. That's perfect. It feeds into not taking him seriously. Right. He's a Halloween character. He's he's the fodder for um, for horror movies, but he's not real. That's really the key. And once you bite into that, then you're sitting duck. You know, he's a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. Uh, he's a he, he's a liar and can masquerade as an angel of light. All of these things. Hmm. Um, I have a tendency. I've got to admit it. I have a tendency to be very skeptical about demon possession. Uh, I will assume all kinds of things, including uh, drug use. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say this, that I think that drug use uh, leaves one vulnerable. I've heard that many times by people. Because how are you going to resist? You know, Peter says, resist the devil standing firm in the faith. How are you going to stand firm in the faith if if your brain is all scrambled? Yeah. So, I, you know, 
but uh, don't give them too much or too little attention. Next one. Yeah, we have about uh, three and a half minutes left. Perfect. Three minutes. We can do it. Uh, <laughs> maybe. Kentucky County Clerks and oh. Religious Liberty. Adam Kim Davis. this one at us. Yes. I had a uh, quite a thread going on my Facebook page yesterday. It was very civil, actually, Click the last bait. couple of days. And then it went off the rails and I took it down. But uh, Oh, you took it down? Yeah, because people started name-calling and all sorts of oh, stuff like that. that. Facebook Facebook can never be civilized. No, no, no. no. What's, and what's wrong with people? I'm, we I'm, know what's wrong. In general, Seemly. I'm against debate and that sort of thing on Facebook, so I don't even know why I did that. You're a conflict avoider, that's why. No. Why do you put stuff just, up there like that if you if you want to avoid debate? I you don't normally. up there and then you get upset when people no, go no, like, no. off No, no, no. I the said rail. this is my controversial post for 2015, but... Um, you know, I, I I tend to not do it because oftentimes people won't stay civil, and I so am. so uh, so you're the political wonk. What's your take? Once it goes off the rails, I take it down. Um, Kim Davis, you know, I, I honestly I keep hearing so many conflicting stories, but no. my take on it thus far, and with and and with a caveat of not having all the details, if you're a cop. You're sworn into office. The laws change. You don't get to pick and choose which laws you enforce. She was elected as an agent of the court, an officer of the court. Likewise, you don't get to pick and choose which laws you get to uh, observe or ignore. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, what about religious accommodation? Jewish uh, attorneys and Jewish uh, judges don't have to work on the Sabbath and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It, that has nothing to do with the laws. If if the law says one thing, if you like it or not, uh, you're pretty much compelled to, as an officer of the court, observe that. Um, now, there probably are details that I'm not aware of that would, uh, you know, make me look like a baboon. But what's new? <laughs> well, you know, who really knows? I mean, she, this this may be a big setup for legal standing. Um, because certain things have to be challenged, I think. Uh, does the Supreme Court have the right to overturn state law? Well, um, no. You know, I we got a federal, we got a federal state issue on our hands here. You know, and last time I remember, I think we fought a war over over uh, this kind of an issue. Right. Um. So you know, I think there's some unsettling things. Uh, here's here's a couple of things. First, um, thirty seconds. You know, yeah, I know she's part of a weird sect, but she's one of the tribes. She's a Christian. Uh, so you know, I, I I I like to support the tribe. Okay, so I'm I'm cool. Uh, I I support her in the stand that she takes. Um, I don't necessarily agree with the tack that she's taken. Uh, secondly, I think that she's wrong in the sense that her signature does not constitute approval of marriage. The person who solemnizes that license does. So the real question here is, should pastors be signing wedding licenses any longer? And I say no. The last question is, Dr. Norman Nagel, we love him. Absolutely. And he just cleared his 90th birthday, I believe. Beautiful. Hey, Bill. See you next time. All right. I want to apologize to a whole bunch of people, but we're out of time. See ya. You know.